Give me a go, no go for launch. Surgeon. Go flight. Econ. Go flight. GNC. We're going down. Six. Emission sequence start. Very, very excited about starting this year. And uh, if you're here visiting with us, I want to welcome you. It's great to have you with us. And I really do uh, hope and pray that this year will be a blessing for you and that God will use your life, bless your life. You may come in here, you know, with a lot of stuff that's going on. And, you know, God, I need your help. I need you to, to, to pull me out of this situation. Well, my prayer and our desire here in the Lighthouse Church of Christ is that God can come through and that he can help you blast off. And, and for those of us that are, that are members here of the church, uh, we want to lift up our, lift off our faith. I don't know if you can see clearly the uh, image up there, but we've got, we've got a, a lighthouse that's actually taking off. Our theme for this year, our focus for this year is faith for the future. We're, we're, we're wanting to see our, our, our faith grow even more so that future generations can weigh in on this. And if I haven't wished you uh, a happy new year yet, Especially some of you teen people here in the house. Happy New Year. Okay? Wish you all the best this year, even though you got exams coming up in a few weeks. It's going to work out. It's going to be good. You'll get there. Today we're going to be talking about uh, defying gravity. You know, what would it be like? I mean, just put yourself in, 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 in the shoes of one of those astronauts. I mean, they literally got strapped in to a small little can, like a tin can, probably steel, but aluminum or something. They were literally strapped in on top of this huge building like rocket. It was like a building full of very explosive liquid. And they're going to light that thing. And you're just, Lord, I mean, what would that be like? You know, and uh, I was watching over the weekend some interviews uh, with, with some of the astronauts that went off on, on the uh, Apollo program, the Mercury program, mostly the Apollo program. And some of these guys would share what it was like. And they said, I thought we were done. You know, when that thing was shaking and lifting off and it was about to take off, it was shaking so much they thought it was over. They thought they were dead. But, you know, sometimes we think it's over. But it's just getting started. And sometimes God uses our challenges to take us to a whole nother level. But the real deal is our faith. How's your faith today? And I want to help you today with, with encouraging you that God is for you. He's not against you. He, he really wants to help all of us. And, uh, you know, thinking about this, this new year, you know, one of the things that we want to do is reaffirm our church's focus. And we're all about growing our faith and building family. And one of the things, too, is, is to ask ourselves as, as, a, as a church is what, what really gets God excited? What, what's going to get God excited? Not what's going to make us excited, but what's going to get God really excited about who we are? And if we want to know those answers to that big question, we can go back to the early church. You know, it's written right here in the Bible. And there's actually a book in the Bible that we're going to look at today. It's called the book of Acts, A-C-T-S. And it's a history of how the church got started. And it wasn't all perfect. It wasn't all good in the neighborhood for this church. They had challenges. And today we're going to look at the first controversy that occurred in the early church. And you think, nah, they didn't have controversy in the early church. Yeah, they absolutely, they absolutely did. The interesting thing is about this controversy that they had, and we love controversy when as long as it's somebody else's controversy, right? But the controversy that they had is very, very similar, parallel to what we have today. And, you know, a lot of people, it's so parallel that you may be here today giving church one more try. Because for a long time you felt, I don't know, man. 
I've kind of lost hope that the church uh, is 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 going to help me and is going to be there for me. And you know, because of this controversy that we're going to look at today, a lot of people stopped attending church. They stopped going to church. Uh, but one of the realities that people have in their soul and in their heart is they want to find peace about their eternity, but they don't think that the church is the place that they can find that peace. Because there's a rub sometimes in church. You know, how am I going to be received? And so this controversy that we're going to look at today happened about 20 years after Jesus rose from the dead. So they just taken the wrappers, you know, like that new new gift that you have or that new sweater that you've got on this morning, you know, and you're you're rocking it and and that new that new look that you got for Christmas. That's how the church was. It was it was pretty new. It was pretty fresh. You know, and there there were there were a bunch of people in it. And it took place, uh, the Apostle Paul, he was one of the major missionaries, and he wrote a lot of the books of the, the New Testament, a lot of the, the letters of the New Testament. He went on this first missionary journey and into a number of cities. And a number of these cities were not the cities that normally Christianity was, was stretching its arm to. It was places where non-Jews were living. And so that's what kind of brought in this controversy. You got all these people from all these different places and all these, guess what, practices that people weren't used to. You know, and we're going to get into that. But these are the places that he went there in, in Palestine. Okay, so let's get down to it. Here's, here's the controversy. Who gets to be a part of the church? All right? Uh, you do, you do, you, you don't. You do, you do, you... No, not you. You, you, you. Who gets to be a part? That was the controversy. Who gets in? And how good do you have to be? Because this is stuff we think about. How good do you have to be in order to be a part of the church? How many rules? I mean, that's one of the things, you know, we may not ask it, but maybe you're going to ask it today. All right, so tell me about this Lighthouse Church of Christ. How many rules have you got? You know, if you got a sheet, you know, with your policies and what you got to do here, because that's going to weigh in on my decision. And that's what they were talking about. How holy do you have to be? Do you have to, how good do you have to be? Uh, and, and most of the early Christians, here's, here's some context. Most of the early Christians were Jewish. They were Jewish. And, and they obviously assumed it was natural for them, in order for you to follow Jesus, you had to first follow Moses. You had to be in the Moses Club, and then you could join the Jesus Club. That's the way they looked at it. Because just about everybody who became a Christian at that time, they were Jews before they were Christians. So to just become a Christian and skip all that Moses part, that's a big deal. Okay, that was a really big deal for them. And, and, and the Gentiles, they were told by Paul, this is what he did on his missionary journey, all those places that he went to. Okay? You, you still with me? You didn't, get lo- you didn't get lost yet. We're going through some church history, and I want you to get lost here. The Gentiles, these are non-Jewish people. They were told by Paul, this was his message, Jesus died for their sins. And it was, it was they had peace with God through grace. And so they, they were taught by Paul that you don't have to be a part of the Moses club. You're, you're, you're with Jesus and he died so that you can be right with him. You just skip that part. And, you know, this, this created quite a stir among the Jewish Christians. They're like, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. It's not that easy. I mean, hold on a second. You guys are, you guys are coming in here. You've got some stuff. You're bringing some baggage in the house. And you've got some dirty shoes, some dirty clothes. You're going to have to take all that off, go get a bath. You're going to have to change a lot before you come in here and be a Christian. That's kind of the way they were thinking. And you know, this, this rub between how good you've got to be and, and, and these rules and a lot of these things, this is why a lot of people, and maybe our parents at one time when we were kids, they stopped going to church. And maybe this is why you gave up on church. This rub. We're going to address this head on today. You know, what, what is, what is what the Bible teaches about this? And, and it's, a, it's, it's going to, it's, it's reoccurred. It's happened over and over and over again in church history. But here's the other flip side. Now we've kind of bashed on the Jewish Christians. 
you know, about their, their hard, rigid rules, you know. But here's the thing. If you've been a Christian or a part of this church for more than 10 years, you kind of understand what they're going through, right? And I promise you, if some of you guys went to other places around the world, you know, some, some, some really rough places, third world places outside of this country, and you saw some of their practices, some of their, their customs, you would go, ugh, what is that? And these people, they don't even have hygiene over here. You know, it's dirty. They're going to have to change a lot if they want to be a part of Jesus' church. We take it for granted. You see, that's what these guys were dealing with. But we're going to talk about this some more. We, we kind of can relate to them because... You know, we don't want to make it too easy. We don't want to lower the standard. We don't want to just make it, you know, it's all good in the neighborhood. Everybody's fine. No, we, you know, we understand once you've been around a while. No, no, no there has to be a standard, right? So we get that. Because we understand that part of Christianity is a moral standard. There's ethics involved. Don't, don't, don't lie. Don't cheat. If you're married, be true to your wife. You know, we get that. You can't change that, Right? So we, we understand these things. We're, we're getting this, right? But you got these Gentile people that they're out. And this is what happens in the local church. It always seems like the truth of the gospel comes into conflict with the grace of the gospel. The truth of the gospel comes in conflict with the grace of the gospel. So which one is it? Is it is it, is it truth or is it grace? What, where are we? You know, and, and what is, what is, the, what is the, that, that place that God is at? And when there's a conflict in the church, when there's a conflict in the church, religious people get real weird. You ever felt that? They get real weird. You know, their neck, their neck gets all stiff. You know, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, their finger comes out. And they start waving that finger around, right? And they're waving it around at people. You know, like, what, what is that? I don't feel love from that. I'm feeling, I'm feeling judgment from that. And, and this happens. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that we've got to work towards is, is people build up walls. In, in the church. And, and the church is not about walls. Jesus came and died to tear down walls. In fact, we're going to read a passage here from the Gospel of John. John is known in, in, in the Gospels, as he says about himself, so it's, you know, it's a little slighted. You know, it's a little, you know, what he thinks about himself. But he said, I, I'm one of the guys that's closest to Jesus. When John tells his story about Jesus, the Gospel, according to John... This is what he said about Jesus. John chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh. God walking and talking. The Word became flesh and made its, His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Jesus was not, Jesus was not the balance of grace and truth. A lot of churches like to say that. We got to find the balance, grace and truth. Jesus wasn't the balance of grace and truth. In fact, Jesus was full of both. He fully, he fully embodied all of grace and all of truth. He was all of that. You know, and I, I know that I've even, I've even, in, in, as a young minister, I talked about, you know, as a church, we got to find that balance. It's not about balance. It's about finding Jesus. It's about finding and understanding the fullness of who He was and how He walked. And I believe if we get this right, the controversy goes away. It, it, it's gone. And I believe if you find this, the, the, the motivation just gets really big. And when the local church gets this right, it's not a balancing act. It's not a balancing act. And it's not a clean yourself up first act. Neither is a throw away the standard so everyone feels good about themselves. 
situation. It, it is the perfect embodiment of both. And this is something we want to work on as a church this year in 2012. Okay? Because some people, when they hear grace a lot, they go, oh, here we go. Or if people hear, well, we're going to go truth a lot this year, and they go, oh, here we go. Uh-uh. We're going Jesus right down the middle, and we're going to learn about him, and we're going to see about him. But this was the, this wasn't, this wasn't, this was the, the controversy that was going on in the early church. And, and grace doesn't get dumbed down, nor does the moral imperatives or the moral standards of Christianity don't get dumbed down either. Are you with me still? Okay. You still got you, right? You're still still on the boat? And and when when we uh, when we see this, this was the dilemma, and we're gonna look at this passage in Acts chapter 15. This was the meeting, this was the controversy. And I gotta warn everybody, this is PG 13-ish. Okay? But I gotta say it, it's in the Bible. Okay, it's in the Bible. So I'm not gonna, you know, hide or avoid. A lot of people like to avoid this topic and avoid this subject. But it's there, okay? It, your children, if they're here, they need to be down in the, okay, children area. That's why you're here and they're down there and you're not down there, you're up here. Okay, so just want to throw that warning out there. Okay, so Acts chapter 15 and verse 1. Here's what happened. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers. Remember those churches that I told you that Paul went out and sent out missionary journeys? He went out and teach them grace and, and the cross. But then these Jewish guys from Jerusalem came and they said, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Paul never mentioned anything about this. What you're saying is you got to have surgery before you're a Christian, before you can be saved? Now, hold on a second. You get, you get an idea of the young Christians class, you know, the new Christians class, it was all women and children. And the guys were like, honey, I, I, I'm not going to go into the service just yet. I'm going to stay out here in the car in the parking lot because I, I got to think about this one. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready yet. I mean, I know about Moses and he's, you know, God told him after when the baby boy is, is eight, eight days old, but I'm not eight days old. You got me? Wow. You mean I got to do that to be saved? Hold on a second. We got a problem. We got a big problem. And so these new Christians, you know, they, they were faced with this challenge. But the interesting thing is these, these, these Jewish Christians, they were serious. They were dead serious. They were ready to give it all and put it all on the line because they, they felt a zeal and a conviction that we cannot abandon. Jesus said it when he preached on the mountain. He said, I have come to uphold the law, not, not, not to tear it down. Okay, so these guys were like, whoa, you know, they were serious. This wasn't just a little doctrine issue. This was, this was a big deal to them. We read on, verse 2. Then Paul, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem and see the apostles and elders about this question. Okay, we got a problem in the church. Which one is it? Now, one of the things that they talk about, yeah, the surgery is a big deal, but I left out one thing. The law of Moses. Do you know how many laws there was that you had to adhere to? 613, many scholars estimate at this time. So, you know, I know you want to be a Christian, but you got to wait a little while. You're going to have to change a lot. You know what you're going to have to do? Surgery, yes. And you're going to have to memorize some scriptures. You're going to have to change the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act. Because, man, let me tell you, you are not a Jew. Interesting, we're meeting here in a synagogue, right? 
mean, these guys, they had a big problem. And so Paul said, wait, wait, wait. This is not the gospel that the Lord Jesus revealed to me that I was appointed to preach and teach. So they called a meeting. You know, sometimes you got to have a meeting. And they had a meeting. It was a big meeting. And we're going to read about it. Verse 4. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church. Now, even though there was a rub, they were welcome. Right? And that tells you something about it. And they were welcomed by the church. It wasn't an institution. It wasn't a, you know, a, a, a business meeting. It was by the whole church. And they welcomed them. They said, Paul, our brother, come on. And then the first thing that they did, first thing that they did when Paul and Barnabas got there is they gave a report. And it's always good to get the report. Right? What was the report? I got to tell you guys. There are thousands of Gentiles that are open and wanting to be right with God. And they're making huge changes in their lives and their hearts are amazing. God is doing amazing things. It's a whole movement out there that's happening. It's a, it's a fire. It's out of control. We, we are so excited about the way God is moving. And He's changing families that were separated and brought down. And they're, they're getting together and they're coming together. I mean, this is awesome. So they gave this report about what God had done through them. Then in verse, verse 5, it says, Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. Now, this is interesting. Who were the guys that were against Jesus? Wow, we got Jewish Pharisee Christians now. What? You know, just so you know, they were kind of like the Klingons of the New Testament. They, they were kind of like the dark side. You know, they were on the emperor's, they were on the emperor's side. Okay, they, they were seen as the, the bad people. But what was the reason they came now, came over and they were disciples and followers of Jesus? What does that tell you? Man, things were happening. Some really, really hard-headed people were coming over to follow Jesus. What did it for them? I believe it was the resurrection. I believe it was the death and resurrection. They fell on their knees and said... You know what? I can't argue with this. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. Because He rose from the dead. Who's ever done that? Who's ever been raised from the dead? And then they put the whole thing together through the Old Testament. So this is what they wanted. You say, we're followers of Jesus. We're all about that. But the Gentiles must be have surgery. They must be circumcised. And they will be required to obey the law of Moses. Or they can't get in. What if you were a Gentile? I bet you were awaiting that letter or that report from Paul and Barnabas. Okay, so how's this going to work out for me? You know? And so, this is what happened. And then, you know, this... And, and before we get too, too kind of like heavy duty on the uh, Pharisees here, you know, and they're, you know, they... Guess what happens after you, you know, been in the church for a while? You know, this, this is what happens when, you, you become a, when you've been in the church for a little while. You know, you think, man, this is way over the top. But once you've been a part of the church for 10 years, this type of thinking creeps in. Let me tell you how. Ever had somebody come to church who looks a little different than normal? They got that mohawk. I mean, and, and, and they got the, 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 the spike is going way on up. It's got the points, and they got things going on here. They got things going on here. They got things going on here. And man, here and here, they got a lot of stuff. Okay? And they come into the church, and you're like, hey. <laughs> you know, what, what are we dealing with here? And what's that thing? What's that thing? What's that you got? You know, what are those big things you got going on? And we can guess what happens after you've been in the church a while? You become judgmental. Right? Or somebody moves here from another place. We're usually the ones that do that because we go to other places in the country. You know, people from L.A. Because L.A. is, you know, like, you know, hip and things. We go to other places and they're like, whoa, you're a Christian from the L.A. church. Yeah. Wondering what they're doing over there in L.A. Man, that standard's gone. There goes the neighborhood. You know? 
And we'll, or else when we see that younger generation. And we want people to be conformists. And what we do is we set up our own standard of Christians. He or she doesn't look like a Christian to me. Right? So be careful when you're really hard on the Pharisees because guess who, guess who, guess what happens to us after a period of time? Yeah, we become a little judgmental and pharisaical ourselves. And they may not, those people, those, yeah, him, her, they may not fit our version of Christianity. Right? And, and that doesn't mean that has anything to do with God's version, Jesus' version of Christianity. So this goes on. After much discussion in verse 7 of chapter 15, Peter got up and addressed the crowd. Now, just so you have an idea, Peter was one of the main leaders of the church at that time. Uh, if you were brought up in a Catholic background, uh, Peter, Peter to you is considered like the Pope, the first Pope. Okay, but for us, this is Jesus, you know, put Peter, he's important. He's important, he's a leader. So he stood up and he addressed the crowd. And if you want to go back and read about it, he tells, he says, Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel. He's referring to Acts chapter 10 when God spoke to him in a dream and told him, don't say that anything is unclean that I'm saying is clean. You can read about it. Acts chapter 10. It's a cool story. And so Peter goes to this guy Cornelius' house, eats with him, which Jews don't do, eats with him, stays with him. And shares the gospel with him. And so he's reminding them of those stories. And he goes on to say, God, who knows the heart. Let's stop here a second. Do you believe this? I don't know your heart. But I know how you walk and you talk. I don't know your heart, but I know how you dress. You don't look like a Christian to me. Peter's saying, wait a second. Who's the one in charge? Who is the judge of all? And who can look right into our heart and see what we're about? We think we know our heart. Our own heart. God knows the heart. And He showed us that He accepted them. Who? The Gentiles, by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did us. He made no distinction between us and them, for He purified their hearts by what? By faith. By faith. And so Peter's reminding them of what happened in that encounter, what, when, when, when God opened the door for the Gentiles. He's reminding them, and they're going, oh yeah, we remember that. Wow. That's right. God did something amazing, just like He did on the day of Pentecost. There were two significant things that God did. He put His stamp, He put His seal. Hey, I'm with these people, and I want them to come into my church, my kingdom. It's not your church, it's, it's God's church. And that's what God did through that statement. Now, He goes on to say in, in verse 10 of chapter 15, Now then, why are you, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? No. Now, what's Peter talking about? I bet maybe he called some people out in the meeting. Hey, hey, Bob, what were you doing at the temple not that long ago? What was that whole sacrifice thing you were doing? Were you offering a sin offering? Meaning you didn't keep the law and you broke the law? And what about, what about you, John? Did, didn't you have to come forward with some stuff not too long ago? I mean, let's get real here. Let's get honest. Who here is without sin? Who here is a lawbreaker? And everybody's head dropped. I guess we haven't done a very good job at keeping it either. We tried. Our fathers couldn't do it. We can't do it. And he says, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. 
just as they are. If you want to try to measure up, Jesus came to talk about that. There's no way we can measure up. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, verse 23. Right? Are you with me still? Okay? And this was huge. And so, so Peter is, is sharing this. He's talking about this. And, and then he goes on. And the meeting goes on. And, and this is a really cool part of the meeting. Paul gets up and shares some more. And then, and then the showstopper. The showstopper. James, the brother of Jesus, stands up. Now, he was also a prominent leader. But wouldn't that be cool to pull, Jesus, pull James off to a side sidebar conversation and say, all right, now, James, come here. Shh, come here. I've got to ask a question. Yeah, tell, me, tell me what happened when Jesus was 13. Did he back talk? Now, tell me the truth. You can tell me. I won't tell anybody. Tell me the truth. Now, did Jesus do any back talk when he was 13 with Mary? Come on. Give me some of the stuff. Now, if you've ever had a, a problem, you know, thinking whether Jesus was the Son of God, you've ever had some doubts whether Jesus was God in the flesh, here is your, here is your evidence. It's the strongest argument you can find that Jesus was the Son of God. Why? Here's the big question. What would your brother have to do to convince you that he is God? What would he have to do to convince you he's God in the flesh? And I believe this is a powerful statement for, for, for James to be a follower of Christ, of Jesus, and, and to call him his Lord and his Savior and to acknowledge he's the Messiah, he's God's Son. That's a powerful testimony. And let me tell you, James was all in. Wrote the letter, the book of the James. You can read about it. You can read what he said. James wasn't, you know, off and on Christian. He was all in. Ready to give his whole life to Jesus. And, and so you got, you, got G, you got James, and look what James says. He stands up, and this is what he says. And he's one of the prominent leaders, okay? He says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it what? Say it again. Say it again, please, louder, because this is really important. Difficult. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In other words, let's not make it hard for them. Let's not make it difficult for them. These guys want to change. They want to give their lives to God. Don't you understand what is happening here? Why are you guys trying to put things on people's, on their necks and trying to weigh them down when they're trying to get their life right with God? I believe James did some reflecting. Because there was a time in James' life when he wasn't a believer. He was a cynic. He was a skeptic. There was even one encounter, Jesus and his brothers, they said, oh yeah, Jesus, go on down to Jerusalem. There's a big deal going on, and you're a big leader, so you should go down there. And it says it right there in the Gospel of John. Because his own brothers didn't believe him. Yeah, there was a time. So what happened between that and now? There was a process that took place. There was a process that took place. And, 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 and this isn't about, you know, adhering to rules. This is about people turning to God. This is about people completely changing their life for the good. And, and this, this, this thing that we're talking about is a process. Remember when you were a baby Christian? Some of you? Did you have it all together? Did you come in here faultless and have the Bible memorized and you, you were like, good? what were some of the things? And even maybe later on. It's a process. Process, process, process. And that's what James remembered. 
Hey, with me, it was a process. I started here, I turned my life to God, and then... Okay? Let's be careful with this. And, and, and this is a huge point. What the gospel is about, it's about outreach. It's not about who's here, but who's not here. That's what we got to think about. we got to look to our right and our left and say, who's not here? Who needs to be here? Who needs to have a shot? Just like I got a shot, who needs to get a shot to be here? I mean, let's not chain the doors. And let's not make all these hoops and, and these things that the people got to jump over. they got to do this. they got to do that. they got to do it. Wait a second. That's what James is saying right here. That's what he's talking about. He's pleading with the rest of the, to the, to the, to the crowd there, the Jewish Pharisee Christians. Say, Guys, look, let's look at this. Let's, look at, let's, look, let's do a strong evaluation. And look what he says here. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat strangled from animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times, and it is in its reading, and in the synagogues on every Sabbath. Now, weigh in on this here. We're going from 613 to 3. Isn't that a little bit of an extreme here? It's the Bible. I want you to think about this. These are forefathers of our church. And really it came down to one thing. Sexual immorality. Don't do it anymore. Get out of it. Of a moral life. And then the other two, respect the Jews. Because they got a customs from a long, long time ago. Respect them. Respect them. Give them some room. Don't be judgmental of them either. Work with them. This is a huge passage. And, and i got to stop and talk a little bit now because I don't know how many of you have studied with really, 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 really bad people. I have. I'm saying scary people. I'm saying behind the walls of prison people. Some of you are thinking, well, you stayed by with me. You're talking about me? No, no, no. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about people in other places. People with a scary background. And let me tell you something. When they turn to God... It was a process. They changed a lot. But they needed to change a lot more after the fact. And if we sit in here and we cross our arms and we tell people, man, unless you change it all, you ain't getting in. Would that, would that have kept you out? That's what they're talking about right here. The gospel is not about keeping people out. It's about getting people in. And that's what we want to do this year in 2012. We want to get people into God's grace. We want to get people into God's Word so they can learn, so they can have wisdom, so they can change, so they can avoid all those bumps and bruises and broken bones and a broken soul. By the time they're 40, divorced, their whole life is hemorrhaging. We want to get them in before that happens. Or even after it's happened, we want to get them in. You know, and I know for a, lot, for a lot of us, this is, you know, oh man, what, where are we going? What are we doing? What, what's this all about? It's about the Bible. This is about things that have happened for a long time. So let's get down to the story. They wrote the letter. They sent it out. They sent it with Paul and Barnabas. And they went back and they visited all those churches. All those churches that they went and visited. And they read, they read the letter. Okay. And the guys are sitting there, you know, waiting for... They, oh, yeah, Paul and Barnabas are on their way. And the guys are going, okay, surgery, no surgery. Surgery, no surgery. Surgery, no surgery. No surgery, Lord, please. The men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. And the people read it and what? They were glad. They were fired up. Yes! Yes! Especially the men. 
for its encouraging message. But everybody was encouraged. You know why? God's for us. He's not against us. Yes, He's calling me to make some changes. Yes, He wants me to live a moral and right life. But He understands I walked two miles to get here. I'm going to have to walk two miles probably to get out. It's going to be a process. And God's going to work with me and His church is going to work with me. And this is the great news about this story. The church avoided its first big roadblock. Let me tell you, almost every generation from then to now, almost every generation has had a huge problem in this situation. I mean, there has been so much carnage and so much damage, it would discourage you to hear some of the stories about this controversy and how it's reappeared over and over and over and what it's done to Jesus' church. So sad. And we got to make sure that we hear this message and we go, you know what, we don't want to have any roadblocks. But we want to open the doors and do this right and, and know Jesus better and, and, and have Him. So I'm going to hit you with three things before we go and we're going to shut this thing down. Three things to avoid. This is like the gravitational pull. You know, when you saw the rocket, you know what that rocket is fighting? Gravity. You know how hard it is to break through the Earth's gravity? I mean, you get just, just so far out, and if you don't have enough thrust and you don't have enough power, you're coming right back down hard. We talked about this last year. What's the gravitational, of the local, gravitational pull of the local church? Out or in? Ooh, in. What happens to us in the church, and the, 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 we got to avoid the pull towards insiders and away from outsiders. Meaning outsiders means guests, visitors, neighbors, friends. It's always going to be the tendency of the church to focus on ourselves. I never get complaints from people who don't come to our church. Never. They don't call me. They don't send me an email. People who don't come to this church. Guess who I get complaints and emails and letters from? Our members. And so it's the squeaky wheel principle. Who gets all the oil? Who gets the grease? The members, the members, the members. And guess who the church becomes for? The members. And we never stop and ask, is this church set up so that we can help our friends and our neighbors in our community? Or is it set up for me and for us? That's what this point is about. And so we gotta, we got to weigh in on that struggle this year. Are you ready? Are you ready to, to push gravity out and say, no, we're going to be outsider focused. We're going to, we're going to think about outsiders. We're going to ask them questions. What's going to help them? And then number two, the pull, it says dull, sorry. The pull towards law and away from grace. The pull towards law and away from grace. This is what churches do over time. They create policies. They create rules. And they create categories. Well, you fit in this category and you fit in this category and you can and then we have policies for this category and we have policies for this category and this is what we do. And what is Jesus? What did he do? He was about conversations with people. I want you to envision this. They're walking down the road, Jesus and Peter, and they see Matthew. Matthew's a tax collector. So Peter's going, he is a category. And, and Jesus says to Matthew, he says, hey, Matthew, come on, follow me. Come with us. Let's go. We're going we're gonna to go over here. Come with us. And Peter's saying, category, tax collector, tax collector, tax collector. What? He doesn't need to come with us. So sure he can, Peter. Chill out. And then he says, and then Peter says, where are we going? We're going to go to Matthew's house and we're going to have a party with more tax collectors. <laughs> That's even worse, Jesus. What are you talking about? See, this is what we do. And Peter, Peter forgot where he was and who he was. Right? Let's take it a notch higher. Jesus in one encounter is with an adulteress. 
And they got some guys with stones, big ones, and they're ready to take her out because that's what the law of Moses said. Stone her. And they put Jesus on the spot and said, Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus says, go stone yourself. That's what he said. Stone yourself. Sounds funny, but that's what he said. So, who were the guys that dropped the stones first? Boom. Went from the older to the younger. So the older people figured what out? But Jesus said this, He who has no sin, stone him, stoner. Go ahead, light it up. The stones went to the ground. Older, younger. See, what happens when you're older, you realize, I've done a lot of stuff. I've done a lot of stuff out of the church, but guess what? I've done some stuff in the church too. I know I'm a minister, but I haven't been perfect. You've been this, you've been that, and you haven't been perfect either. Right? So what does Jesus say? Peter and the apostles are there and they're listening and Jesus says, is there anyone left to condemn you? And she says, no, Lord, then neither do I. Go and sin no more. And Peter's over there like, but Jesus, you don't understand. She's going to go right back and do it again. You can't, you can't forgive her like that. She's got to change. She's got to do this. She's got to do that. You can't just do that. Peter, listen. This is a process. And we're going to have conversations. See, because when you have policies and you have categories, you send out letters, you send out notes, and you fill out, you fill out forms to be a part of the church. And you adhere to rules. You see it in paper. But see, in Jesus' church, we have conversations. What we do is, when we study the Bible with people, we, we roll up our sleeves and, and, and we, we get involved in their lives. And let me tell you, it's dirty. It's very dirty when you get in there and you deal with people's stuff. It's ugly. It's messy. Let me tell you about the grace of God. The grace of God is messy. Very messy. And that's what we need to do. If we're really going to help people, we've got to get messy. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why I really love the ministry. Because I can really get in there and get to know people. But I will admit to you today that this challenges me. Because I know I have a pharisaical spirit in my bones also that i got to watch out for. And the last one is a pull towards preserving rather than advancing. This happens in small businesses a lot, in small organizations. Because when you're a small organization, what do you got to lose? Nothing. So you risk it all. But once you get big and once you get established and you got thousands and you got a lot of money and you may have a building and you have a lot of things and you have a lot of history, then you got to protect. And then you stop taking risks. I'm saying this year we want to take some risks. Because that's what Jesus was about. Risk. Take risks with people. Yes, they may not be perfect. They may not make everything. They may not do everything in the right time that we want them to. But we're going to take risks. And we want to advance. We want people to have the opportunity. You know, one of those people that I studied the Bible with a number of years ago. Man, really dark life. It's been about 15 years now. And to see his marriage and his family now is so blow away. But I remember studying the Bible with him. And I was like, man, this guy, wow, only God can do this. And he sure did. But what if we'd have put hoops and, and ropes and doors and, and all these things that he had to do before he'd have the opportunity? I don't think he would have made it. And so this has really caused me to do a lot of reflecting. And we've got to take risks. 
You know, and always be a church that's willing. And then, and then four quick commitments, and then we're done. I promise. Four quick commitments for for 2012. Let's be bold. I want to I want to encourage you to take some risks. You know, this this week we're going to start a new a new study series, four Bible studies. They're called the Core Four. We used to have eight. We're going to make it four because we do not want to make it difficult for people to get right with God. Okay, we want to do this. We want to streamline the process. We're not going to make it easy, but we're not going to make it difficult because it's not easy to become a follower of Jesus. It is not easy, but it shouldn't be difficult, right? But we got to be bold. I want to encourage you to study the Bible with somebody. If you're a member of our church, you can do this. And if you're a visitor, I want to encourage you to go for it. What do you got to lose? You just may find this changes your whole life. And then let's do this. Let's err on the side of grace. Not on law. Let's err on the side of grace. Here's a main reason why. Jesus said this. The measure you use... Finish it for me. The measure you use will be... What? You mean, if I'm hard with people, guess who's going to be hard with me? How do I want God to be with me? And let's be honest. How has he been with me, with us? Oh, he's used a lot of grace and he's still got it. I walk out of this door and there's grace. I wake up tomorrow morning, there's grace. I I, I continue two months from now, there's grace. But if we start hedging grace, we're going to hedge for ourselves too. So we want to err on the side of grace. And then number three, remain open-handed. Man open-handed. Okay? And this has to do with everything. Your time, your money, your, your, your heart, your friendships. Remain open-handed. Jesus was always open-handed. People needed a hand. Zacchaeus came up to him and said, Hey, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to come. And Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. Let's go. And he was in one of those categories. Let's remain open-handed this year. And so that is our, our, our lesson for today. I want to encourage you, uh, and we're going to take the communion now and, and, and remember what Jesus did for us. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, we thank you so